Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the PDX Executive Podcast. Uh, continuing to do this remotely, uh, I, I'm excited to have my next guest on, uh, Lily Yo, the founder and CEO of Go Me Kids. So Lily, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Dan. So yeah, I know I was talking to you before we started recording that, you know, I got in touch with you through uh, Nitin Rai, who was on my podcast previously, and it, it, right. it was the timing was right before you were on Shark <laughs> Tank. So I know you've kind of been uh, working through uh, the aftermath of, aftermath of that, which I hope is all positive, but I would love to start, if you just don't mind giving a little overview of yourself and the origin story of, of Gomi. Sure. Uh, Gomi started about 10 years ago. Uh, my kitchen table. Mm. Um, it was between me and my old high school friend, Lindsay. And uh, she had to teach me a few things about being mom. I, I clearly was less than prepared. Uh, so um, among that conversation, she saw my little baby wearing these, uh, you know, run-of-the-mill baby mittens. And she said, well, how's that working out for you? And I said, you know, these are just made so awful, and yet they were so important. I right. thought I was going to cut my baby's fingernails, and then and then I'm sleep deprived, and they should just be made better in the 21st century. And and she tells me, you know, I've in fact I have an idea for that. Um, in fact, I have an idea for a few things um, that I found very essential uh, for my early days as mom. I just didn't know how to take it to market. And then, you know, this this pregnant pause, and you're like. You do know that's what I do for a living, right? And uh, that's kind of how it began. Um, we started dreaming about what it'd be like to create products that were not just binary. You know, if they were functional, they were not pretty. If they were pretty, they were not working well. And if they were good to the planet, they were usually not the first two, which is just wrong. Is wrong for 21st century. We work so hard to take care of our babies. Uh, we pour over what we buy for them to make sure it's the best thing, only to create so much waste that they will inherit later on. Mm. Um, and, and I think it's just because we're from Portland, we just we don't do that. Yeah. Um, and and uh, so what would it be like to create uh, a baby essential line of products that were designed the way they were supposed to be, uh, that worked the right way, that, that did not sacrifice quality and beauty, as well as, you know, sensitivity to our planet that the, our babies will inherit. And that's how Gomi was born. 
And you mentioned that this is what you did for a living before. So what, what, <laughs> what, was, what, what was your background? My goodness. Um, consumer products and particularly uh, marketing. Um, so because I'm from Portland, I cut my teeth at Nike um, back in the day. Um, actually, it was their first ever campus rep oh, in wow. University of Washington when they ran a campus rep program. Um, and then I worked at Nike.com for when 1.0. When okay. when dot com was just rising back then, uh, trying to figure out digital marketing at that point when it was much much easier mm -hmm. um, than it is now, and then um, spent some time in HP and analytics, and then uh, went and got my MBA at IMD in Switzerland. Another story there, mm -hmm. and then uh, finished right before GoMe. I was at Ziba Design, oh, great. Uh, working actually in the started their Asia practice, so. Um, we helped the Nike of China at that point leaning to try to help them prepare for, you know, their global uh, foray uh, right around Beijing Olympics timeframe. Yeah. And when you were a new mom, were you still working at Ziba or where it was kind of? I was on maternity leave uh -huh. when this converse, this eponymous conversation happened with my co-founder. Um, I, I tried actually going back to Ziba. I, I, I wasn't sure if I was, you know, Gomi was going to be quite what it was. Then um, I was helping my, my co-founder at that time. Um, but I think I knew pretty readily within about a month or two that it was really hard to navigate, you know, being a, a full, a fully engaged, you know, professional and a fully engaged mom to boot. Um, one of the things that like for us was really important to starting GoMe was um, we weren't going to do like a job share scenario because oftentimes you're not going to get great jobs anymore, <laughs> great projects mm -hmm. anymore where you were. My uh, co-founder came from Intel before. Um, and so we, we were going to actually create some type of entity that allowed us to really be both well, um, both, you know, entrepreneurs as well as moms, uh, whatever that construct looked like, um, because we knew that a, a stay at home in full wasn't the right combination for us either. Mm -hmm. I think I was doing a regression analysis on my kids' sleep patterns by day three. <laughs> <laughs> drove the pediatrician nuts. There was yeah. no coefficient that was that made sense. And uh, he's like, ma'am, I think we need to find other outlets. <laughs> and uh, so I knew that wasn't the track. And and then going full-time 80-hour weeks when I was traveling to China every six weeks wow. wasn't the right path for me either. So GoMe was, uh, in essence, the case study for me to figure out what does this new portfolio look like that allowed me to to engage in both well. Yeah, and we'll get in more into the product, but I think that conversation is so, you know, I have two little ones, um, uh, how my old? wife's uh, one-year-old and a, a, a soon-to-be five-year-old tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. So, fun ages. Uh, yeah, fun, <laughs> fun ages, but when you're cooped up in the house with them sometimes, yeah. you're patient. Oh, your it, days are fun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very tested. But, you know, um, it is, and especially now it's being amplified with, you know, folks with the light of the, the COVID-19 situation and working and from home. And I, I think a lot of folks, I'd love to get your opinion on this, are, are allowing people some grace as far yes. as you might hear my four-year-old screaming in the background during this. Yeah. You know? and, and I think that has been really humanizing. Um mm -hmm. But I mean, what it just says your your company and your brand kind of was. Uh, it sounds like started around that con uh, construct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would love to get your your kind of. Oh, it's so refreshing, it. actually. To be honest, Dan, it's like this has been our world. Like we we used to have to, even some way, sort of. At least before, we'd have to apologize for the extra soundtrack, right? <laughs> that you have at home when you're working <laughs> yeah, yeah, at home. Yeah. And now I don't have to apologize at all. Yeah. You know, to the mainstream, it's something that we normalized at Gomi. 
It's like, this is our norm. Uh, we, we're doing this because we want to be engaged parents. And when we are, we think we're going to be better professionals too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the, the normal vernacular for us day to day. But now it's become mainstream and it's it's been so refreshing um, that there's no hiding, you yeah. know, for the others. Um, and, you know, the, the grace that's needed. I mean, like kudos to the parents that are actually trying to make this work even before covid you know, that this has been a norm for many. And now I think the world is understanding just what a challenge, but also how heroic it, it can be. Absolutely. It's it's tough, but I do think I'm trying to appreciate it during this time. You, you know, <laughs> for every glorious day, there's a thousand inglorious ones. <laughs> totally. So, well, getting back to the brand, I mean, when you, you and your co-founder started this, um, what was kind of the next steps as just... I mean, you had been at Nike and uh, it sounds like you kind of know some of this, the process of a consumer brands and just the manufacturing process. So were there things that will be big learning lessons you from the, the go to market and just launch? Uh, oh, still. You, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, even having gone through all that uh, direct to consumer experience and all that consumer products, there's always things to learn. You know, um, so much of my historic efforts have been getting things ready for launch. One of my uh, big statements that I was known for with my co-founder, was like, well, I've taken things to launch. And now that we've launched, now what? You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, here we go. You know, so, um, but I think as an entrepreneur, there's so many new lessons to learn. There's lessons of the business to learn as well as lessons of yourself to learn um, through this journey. A um, couple things that like really stood out to me was just making sure that you are staying so much on top of cash flow, way more than before. You know, I come from a marketing background where we often do a lot more of the spending mm-hmm. um, uh, in an organization, and having to see kind of full stream on the other side of that and what precedes that. Um, you know, and having the cash run you from R and D all the way through the cost of sales and marketing, and turn that right around into that full circle um, has been really eye opening, um, and and shifting your business when we had really virtually no capital. We didn't really take external funding until we were in year seven. Mm. Um, and yet we were triple digit growing year on year since year one and and running on all of our operating cash on our own and what that means and how to be really, really on top of cash flow through yeah. that experience. And, well, let's get into that. I think that that journey of just the seven years of kind of bootstrapping mm-hmm. and you said operating, you know, on your own cash flow, um, was that a conscious decision to not like pursue capital or did you, and just, it wasn't there. So you're going to keep going or, and then when you did this multi-part question is my fly. Ass. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, it's totally when okay. Did, when you did pivot to wanting cat or looking to invest, get capital, um, you know, was that a, a hard thing for you to do since you had grown the, the company by yourself for seven years? Yeah, no. And I think it's part and parcel of just the season we found ourselves in more than anything mm-hmm. um, that we ended up bootstrapping as long as we did. Um, you know, being a mom and, and being an entrepreneur are both very isolating yeah. incidences in one's life. Uh, and they just compound in my case and in my co-founder's case, it just compounded early that way for us. Uh, we were already busy running home and running business um, and, the, and things were doing well. And so it didn't occur to us to actually go and seek out funding as we went. In hindsight, I probably would have done it a little sooner. Um, 
I didn't realize just how supportive our infrastructure here in Portland was. Mm-hmm. Um, all I remembered were lessons, you know, in business school. You know, there's a few things mm-hmm. that you pay attention to in business school where it's like, you got to be careful about taking external funding, about the control, mm-hmm. you know, and that, that you now have to give up, uh, you know, over the course of your business. Um, so, but uh, in our case, it did work out that way because, I mean, certainly we we have given ourselves a whole lot more ramp for future fundraising as a result. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, to interject there, I know uh, you've raised some from uh, Elevate Capital, right? Mm-hmm. And what's great about them, and I think other firms here locally is, as I've learned more about the ecosystem is, you know, they're really values-based, right? Of course, they want to get get a return and, and sure. that, but it really is more also, I think, more of the driving principle is investing in companies and people that, um, you know, inclusive and want to uh, have a really good impact. So is that kind of a refreshing experience when you did Absolutely. finally go out? And yeah, Absolutely. And I, I'm really, really grateful that when we it did come time to fundraising and to pick our first lead partner, uh, and our lead investor, it was Elevate because of that value that they had. They truly cared about us as founders and our mission uh, of the business, in addition to obviously, obviously shareholder return that we all are mm-hmm. after. And then just, well, let's just tackle the Shark Tank thing for a second. I know sure. you were just on this today is, I mean, the day is just I lose track of this. So, yeah, gotcha. so it's, uh, what is the day? April 12th? April 13th. 13th already, so, yeah. I think it air- aired last week, right? The 27th and of March. So it's been the 27th two, of March. Okay. a little over two, two weeks, weeks now. Mm-hmm. So for folks that maybe didn't watch the episode or can you just fill in how that went? And then some of the things since it aired, um, what's been going on with the brand? Sure. Uh in terms of how the episode went down, actually, right? Like, so yeah. we got, yeah, we pitched, we pitched to the Sharks. We actually got two offers, one from Damon John and one from Kevin O'Leary. And we ended up taking uh, the offer from Kevin O'Leary. Okay. And since and then, yeah. since then, I mean, gosh, we've been very busy. It's been almost a year. We filmed last June, to be exact. Um, and we've been busy growing and turning Gomi around even more and preparing it for scale. Um, so much so that, you know, in time for this lo- uh, episode, just got us prepared for uh, launching our new category, um, which is into the bedding line. We have a mm. Gomi nursery line launching in 10 days. Amazing. So, yeah, lots lots of new great things coming out of Gomi um, since the airing, for sure. Um, that are still yet to come, collaborations, expansion, uh, and doing a lot more to be able to care for our moms in this, yeah. this new arena that we find ourselves in. And as far as like, you know, I know everybody wants to know kind of for the, the behind the scenes of the Shark Tank since, since <laughs> the investment, how how involved, you know, has Kevin been or Kevin's company? Or, I mean, has it been a good relationship? I mean, I'm assuming it has, but we, yeah, of, we only yeah. have positive things to say. Yeah. Working with them has been really positive. Um, and, you know, text basis, at a lot of text basis. Um, they've been very great. Um, as of late, we just got uh, Amazon Launchpad kicked up for our bedding launch. So um, you'll also find us in Kevin O'Leary's Shark Tank Finds there. Mm. Um, and so it's it's been a really positive experience working with them. Um, even on the night of, got my you know an encouraging email from him, just like saying, "I hope it's going to be a great night," you know, and awesome. um, and tweeting about us. And he's just, yeah, I can't say anything anything bad. It's been wonderful. 
Yeah, I know. And you've always been a direct to consumer brand. Is that right? Or do you have retail partners or? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, when uh, actually we were B2B even more so than B2C. Huh. Okay. Um, you know, back, we're OG, original gangsters in this space. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the baby space. When we came yeah. out 10 years ago, it was to a different generation of moms, Gen X, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. myself. Um, back then, when you were looking for the, you know, innovative, cool product for babies, you're looking at baby boutiques, mm-hmm. um, brick and mortar. And so when we first came out, we went from zero to 1500 baby boutiques in the first 18 months. Wow. Um, and that's literally was the core of our business. Uh, we were Nordstrom's, we were in, you know, Bye Bye Baby, Target, et cetera. Um, so much of our business is uh, up until probably five years ago, we were 70% brick and mortar. Then came the particip- precipitous decline of brick and mortar. Um, and we've had to learn how to pivot really quickly as a business. What's been the common denominator for us this entire time was investing in a little group called Amazon and the seller central part of amazon.com um, where back then, you know, nine years ago, Amazon just started turning on their marketplace to allow sellers to use their platform. Right. And so it, it was early stage of that when we came in um, and that's growing, you know, our business, our digital really kind of came at the, at, on the wings of that. Um, right from the very beginning. Well, let's talk. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about Amazon a little more. I mean, um, <laughs> so friend and foe, I think yes. to some, but yes. it, you know, I think they're, from what I understand, uh, they're getting more friendly with you know, like digital pop up shops and just different things like that. Is so, what's your experience been uh, on Amazon? And some tips you can share for people that are. You know, maybe launching new brands that want to explore that or best practices. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Amazon as it was nine years ago is very different than the Amazon today. I think, you know, for us it was the right move to come in and really begin our brand that way. The way Amazon is now, it's quite expensive to enter in and really get above the din um, of the consumer uh to get in front of them without having to front load so much cash. Now bear in mind, just when we think it's evil here. You know, it's all in our context, right? It's in the United States. When you think about it from a global perspective, Amazon US is still relatively less predatory even than some of the platforms overseas, Hmm. where usually they require you $50,000, $60,000 US just to begin a platform store. Wow. Um, So always in context, I suppose, right? Um, But with that said, and you know, Amazon US, it's a lot more costly today to get started and get noticed versus what it was for us before. So I would say uh, for those who are starting now, just be prepared to be um, put your grassroots marketing hat on when you're thinking about playing in Amazon, because it really is the wild, wild west still in many respects with over 2 million sellers that they have on there and growing at a really fast clip. You know, it's a dynamic, you never sit still kind of marketplace. Yeah, um, It's really hard to get in, but once you get into the flow, there's a lot of organic sales that just sort of start to take over and you don't have to keep pushing that ball uphill, but the getting there is hard now, harder now than it used to be. So be prepared to, to really go and Kung Fu fight your way and try yeah. all kinds of um, guerrilla marketing tactics to do so if you don't have a terribly big bar- marketing budget, but it's worth it if you know you've got a, a credible place to play. And so do a lot of your homework up front to know that. So whether or not it, it warrants the Kung Fu fight up front. Right. 
Yeah, and you have the ex- you know experience uh, from Ziba and Nike. I know there's a whole like world around the oh, uh, companies helping yeah. <laughs> people with Amazon, even former Amazon employees leave, start their own agency. So totally. have you worked with those people or is it mainly like learning uh, yourselves and really doing it yourselves? Or I'm just kind of curious about that. Ethos. Yeah. Well, what I, what, you know, and I will be forever grateful for my Ziba training in this regard was, you know, get maniacally focused on understanding the heart and mind of your consumer and never let off of that view. Um, we spent a lot of time, you know, during my time at Ziba, spending a lot of time with consumers and understanding that from a qualitative as well as a quantitative level. So if you don't have that training, definitely try to find folks to help you in your uh, journey to help you do that, because that has truly single-handedly helped us as a, one of the common red threads throughout our whole experience, staying on top of that uh, understanding and that heart and mind of that consumer. Um yeah. I think the other thing that what I did learn at Nike very quickly, though, is there may be you always have to tether that with consumers may not be able to tell you everything that they themselves want. Um, so as much as you're going to try to stay in the pulse of what they're saying, also be very get really good at, you know, extrapolating what they're not saying. Mm. Um, and, and then it's it's the marriage of the two that art and science of, of both that you bring your, you know, your solution to the marketplace. Um, so I'm very fortunate in that regard that I had, I've been trained with the masters, um, and that I brought, was able to bring, um, you know, to, to the starting Gomi experience but with that said, oh, you're learning every day and, and there's no better teacher. Yeah. <laughs> there is no better teacher than experience and failing, um, and, and how to quickly fast fail, uh, and, and keep changing, uh, and keep modifying and being persistent. Yeah, that's great advice. And it's like you said, it's changing every day. I mean, especially these different marketplaces and just obviously the world and like what's going on yeah. now with consumers. So um, it's, it's, uh, you got to keep on your feet. And well, one of the things, one or two more things I love to talk about as we kind of end here is always about Portland. Um, you know, you started your company here, you're still here, mm-hmm. you, you know, took investment from here. How has the Portland business community been for you to, to, to start and keep your business here? I think if I had to boil it down to one word, I'd say absolutely amazing. I guess that's two words, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just been so supportive for us. Um, I couldn't imagine a more supportive place to start, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, just, I think finally when we opened our eyes to, oh my goodness, there's actually a whole lot of help here. The ecosystem um, from certainly funding, Granted, we're not the biggest funders in the entire country, um, but funding has been a big piece to this. But the support of just the camaraderie, people sharing, uh, entrepreneurs who are willing to share um, tips and resources to you, um, and um, you know our, our actual state and, and city who have um, constructs um, that have made it possible. Business Oregon, for instance, has been really helpful for us to, as we started, you know, making inroads into international um, and getting export grants. Um, you know, the folks at um, PDC who helped put together these these small uh, little groups for us yeah. uh, entrepreneurs to, to share tips and get expert. Uh, advice ranging from supply chain to managing our performance statements and things of that nature. Um, we've, we've gotten so much help um, by being here in a very collegial community. Mm. Um, couldn't imagine starting it from another place, especially as an apparel business um, because we are kind of in the cluster of right. that. 
And what about some of the challenges? I always like to ask, you know, what are some things maybe? Well, we yes. Could, yeah. Absolutely. Now, you know, if I were to be brutally honest, like most of our customers are in Portland. Mm. So we've had to go out everywhere else in the beginning, especially when we've had to um, build, you know, our customer base. There was only so few baby boutiques here. There were no trade shows that were coming here because Portland's so small. Right. So, you know, I had to go and leave about 17 trips a year uh, was my average for a few years there um, uh, to go out and get business. Um, so that makes it very challenging for sure. Yeah. And we're growing, you know, we've always been a mid-market city and we're, we're growing. Yeah. Um, and as far as like, uh, I'm curious if you can share this before we go, is like, as far as selling directly consumers, even through Amazon, do you have data, like what parts of the country are your Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. It changes by the month, I tell you, Dan. <laughs> um, but, but generally coastal, coastal has been big for us, but um, we are seeing even in our trends, um, much like national trends, how a lot of these coastal uh, families uh, or at least when they were young and, you know, making their making their early fortunes or, or their mm -hmm. success in their career. And then they start to move inland. Right. Mm -hmm. Whether that's Arizona or New Mexico um, or things like that, they're starting to move inland. And we're starting to see pockets come out there as far as a customer base where they used to live in coastal. Interesting. Um, so that's starting to come out in our data. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to checking out the sheets because my wife and I, we spent <laughs> hours scour. We like review. My wife is the kind of person that like, and I do too a little bit, but just like reads every review yes. <laughs> you know, of everything. And As so we think, should. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's why it, it serves brands like um, you that have that high quality. And um, so, yeah, looking forward to that. And yeah, there's really no better, there, there's no better in our mind um, that you should hear from one parent to another. You, you know, they, you hear from them who've used it in the trenches and th that it's been found to be true. That's the best, that's the best marketing we could ever think of. Yeah. The flip side is the people that go too, too far on the reviews and like there's people <laughs> like that. Uh, but it, overall they're pretty helpful. So all it takes well, is one internet, one internet yeah. connection and a tough night, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. So, well, Lily, thanks so much for, you know, hopping on, you know, Thank really you. looking forward to meeting in person eventually. I um, appreciate you. Absolutely. Hopping on Thanks, Dan. Have a good one. You too. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. <laughs> the PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.